Hello all, welcome to the Lunar Sea Spire cartoon fan podcast. This is episode 449, and today we'll be talking about watching and dreaming from the Owl House. I'm GC13. I'm Soren. And I'm... Oh god. And I'm David. <laughs> that, that, that intense, huh? Still yeah. emotionally, emotionally <laughs> killed it's over all, by that one. It's all in my throat. Before we get into too much discussion, I just want to take a very brief victory lap for saying... Hey, that guy in the in-between space sure looks a lot like Titan Sands. And what do you know, he's wearing casual wear, and he's got one eye. All I was missing was the hoodie. Oh, I have a good, um, good intro into this one, and I wrote it down. It's, I wish, I wish with all my heart, Disney executives get torn apart. Um, (laughs) For those of you who don't know, or who are out of the loop, um, the Owl House was originally planned to have four or more seasons, right? Really, really stretch out the storytelling in this show. Um, with more of the pacing that we saw in, like, season one. But as a, like, bizarre divine decision coming from above in the in the Disney world, in the Disney Channel world. No, Disney world. The Disney world. They decided, filled with just as many blood-sucking insects. The Florida <laughs> joke. But they decided to only renew the Owl House for a third season and to make the third season three 45-minute specials, so not even, like, a full third season, because usually, like, airtime total would have been longer for, like, a full season made of 20-minute episodes. Easily. Yeah, this amount, so uh, if you go, each special is the equivalent of maybe, like, two, two and a half episodes, it would have been, like, a six-episode season, six to eight-episode season. Yeah, let's call it a third of a season, since yeah. uh, watching and dreaming was so long. And the thing is, The thing is, is that this decision is so shrouded and missed, like not even the 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 showrunners know exactly why that decision was made. They have their best guesses, but there's was no confirmation, right? Like Disney just said, cut it the third season, three 45 minute episodes, deal with it. And and they had to, which, of course, you can kind of see shown in the show their their kind of bitterness at that decision. Uh, What was it in the end of season two? We don't have time for a beach episode. (laughs) famous not having enough time for 20 more adventures but i did like the much more upbeat attitude they took in this that's a spin-off i'd watch oh yeah and so also i people have been talking about spin-offs nothing has been confirmed yet this is all just like people kind of idealizing because disney kind of made a statement saying that the owl house did extremely well on youtube and it kind of being a surprise to them which is like yeah no duh but also, like, I'm really hoping that these kind of business executives see the benefit to a business model of just posting their stuff on YouTube for free. Can't hurt if you want eyes on the product, right? Especially if it's, like, maybe a bit out from when it aired for the first time, right? If you really, really want that Disney Plus exclusivity, right, on the finale day you air it on the thing, and then maybe, like, a week later it's on YouTube. I know that Rooster Teeth did a kind of similar model. They would post their new episodes on their exclusive website that you needed a subscription for. And then a week later, the episode would just go on YouTube. And so that also means that like people who want to watch the show like far in the future have an easy, extremely accessible method, right? Because if you want to avoid pirating, if you want to get your money's worth out of the things you create, you have to be more convenient than pirating. We try and avoid talking about pirating. And for the Owl House, you have absolutely no reason to. Literally all three episodes of the last season 
are on YouTube. A counterpoint, though, Luz was briefly a pirate, so the show has endorsed it. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Um, and Ida became permanently a pirate, kind of aesthetically. <laughs> she has the hook, I love it. So now that I've dedicated five and a half minutes of this time talking about random boring executive decisions, at least now people have the context of why we're going to be lamenting what could have been with this season, because, wow, they jam-packed so much into every frame on that show. It's like blink and you'll miss it. Okay, brief poll between you two. Was this a good series finale? Yes or no? Yes, of course. They took the kind of cruddy hand that they were given and gave us a full flush, right? A house flush. I know nothing about poker, but that's what I'm going to ascribe it to. Uh, Yeah, I also thought it was really good. Um, I feel like I've seen this happen now a few times so this is not my first rodeo steven universe had this exact same thing happen yeah so i think it's i think there's some interesting choices to compare like how the situation is handled like steven universe had like even shorter time and it spent like a lot of its runtime in just like a single conversation right between like steven and white diamond had to flush her out as much as possible yeah it's fascinating and so like this one does a lot less overall character work i feel like which is you know i think good it feel it felt more like amphibia's finale which i don't want to spoil too much here because we haven't gotten through amphibia people are already spoiling it in the comments of the owl house episodes i would like scrolling yeah. through and i'm like wow that would really suck if i was not finished through watching amphibia which i haven't even started it's really hard not to compare them especially like also having watched star versus the forces of evil and its finale Oh, whatever, five years ago. Uh, you know, all these isekai shows on Disney. You know, it's just, you, you just want to compare them. But uh, it, it's fascinating what, you know, heights they go to. But I mean, there's just so many specific pieces I thought were cool. Like, I always wanted to see the cluster form in a much larger form, right, in Steven Universe. Well, here we finally got the promise of the giant <laughs> monster somewhat realized, right? Now they're not going to animate the entire island, you know becoming alive and killing everyone but i'll take the <laughs> hand i do like that yep. thematically steven universe and the outhouse both chose to animate an arm and a hand for a mm. giant monster but this one's cooler uh, i think because people end up living on the ha hand it's a rotting skeleton yeah and, and i'm glad we went into space and saw the whole thing and i i liked seeing all the flesh grow on it and the visual of all the red uh transformation uh growing on it so it's just really cool. That is interesting. They real they they did thematic flip of the like green is good and red is mm -hmm. evil. Yeah. Mm -hmm. With the red grass, right? Because not all the plants in the boiling aisles are red. Like the plant magic is green for crying out loud, but like the trees and the grass are red. So there's probably like more of a color diversity in that stuff. But then Bellos being like green, but ascribed to like mold and lichen. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Very corrupt and his like green mold being purified by the red grass mm -hmm. i'm not exactly sure what metaphor they were going with there maybe just like things can be good that aren't green <laughs> um because that is kind of a, a theme running with the owl house is that just because something seems unnatural or weird doesn't mean that it is inherently evil things can be very good looking but evil and very ugly but good or they can be like philip Ugly and bad. <laughs> I mean, he kind of, was kind of working it in his younger self. 
uh, much younger self. Yes, uh, by exactly. By the time he was a grown adult, he had uh, just terrible, well, the good fashion sense, but the rest of it bad. I mean, like, kind of looking aside from, like, the green across his face, like, his old design does seem very, like, especially the way he talks, like, very, his older design, as in him being old, not the the yes, previous yes. design. Oh, yeah, old man, old man emperor, yeah, he looks good. Old man emperor, he looks good, he looks like, he really puts off this aura of, like, a kind, gentle old man, which is obviously a facade that he knows how to play very well, but that's kind of, like, the point of this show as far as their visual design elements, that just because something looks welcoming and kind and, like, normal doesn't mean that it is good. Yeah, remember Luz's first encounter with a fairy. <laughs> yep. Give me your skin! Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And, like, we see this with, you know, King's dad, right? He's quite messed up looking. He's got that, like, weird hootie worm sticking out of his eye. Completely unexplained. Love it. <laughs> well, they apparently, Dana Terrace did an AMA on Reddit after they got the news for the show. And one of the things that Dana said was, is it Dana or Dana? I believe it's Dana. Dana? With a long A? Yeah. Okay. A. And I'm going to quote, is that they had planned to dive into Hootie's true origin and done more backstory on Ida and Rain. That was something that was mentioned explicitly in that. So apparently, <laughs> Hootie does have a true Titan-related origin, which um, we were kind of robbed of. Well, Amity did say he was thousands of years old, or at least he was as crazy as a thousands-of-year-old house demon. Let's put it that way. Yeah, so <laughs> I don't know if the Titan had is the Titan's OG house. Who knows? Does Hootie even know? Probably not. Oh, no. Yeah, and that that's another thing about this finale, is if you were hoping to get like lots of wrapped-up loose ends like it's not really focused on that either like and i don't think finales can be like maybe that's what fans want <laughs> they tried their best but there was so much they couldn't get into like the the clawthorn family li lineage yes that's the biggest one i'm thinking of is like we get no development on that <laughs> how the owl beast got trapped in a curse in the first place right mm -hmm. was it our collector or was it another archivist uh, what did the Albies do to get put in a scroll? And all those questions that are still open-ended. I mean, we could go on and on about, like, all the little threads that remain untied, which is, again, like, great fuel for a spin-off series. And I am kind of glad that there is that sort of open-endedness open to it, because it gives ties that, if they do get greenlit for more, would work really well to connect the series is together. Owl House Future, here we are. But we don't know anything about a spinoff yet. Like, the only thing we know is that Disney was like, wow, getting posted on YouTube did really well. Good job. And that's it. <laughs> right, we don't have anything more confirmed. Yeah. Except for, like, rumors. It, it's interesting, too. Whenever you choose to end your show with, like, a epilogue that puts your characters in the future, that just immediately, I don't know, shoves your story forward, basically. <laughs> so either it's kind of, a send-off, or it's like, well, that's probably where we'll pick up, unless we do some kind of spin-off, is we'll deal with Lucent College <laughs> somehow. <laughs> with Ida as the principal. Yeah, I mean, that's fun. A lot of shows have done this when they're given, like, an ending, but maybe not an ending. Um, I know Futurama, which was cancelled, like, six different times, had to give themselves, like, six different finales that they had to also leave open-ended, because they didn't know if they'd ever get picked up again. And so 
it's a shame, you know, that these showrunners are at such mercy of the higher ups above them who seem to make decisions completely like against reality because Disney is now allergic to making money for the first time ever and cancels their extremely popular shows with no like official reason. That's because the official reason would probably not go down very well with the general public or the unofficial reason I should say. Yeah, and the way that it it was described was that like somebody really high up just did not vibe with the show and decided to make that decision and everybody else sort of went with it. Like that's the best theory that they could come up with that there it was like a specific personal decision from somebody who had a lot of power and whatever their personal reasons for canceling the show who can is say? completely unknown. Yeah, who can say? <laughs> but do we want to kind of go you know, beat by beat into this. Yeah, let's let's go through this thing because there's so many things to talk about and I'm itching. Let's just start with the very early thing. At the first, nightmares. I kind of groaned internally with the, oh yeah, they're doing the whole nightmare thing. Like, Luz, you've consumed enough fiction to know what's going on. Thankfully, at the end, she's she like, did. oh, I'm genre-wise. I'm genre-wise <laughs> now. But, oh, the, I have so many questions about how Amity was able to to do that. Like, was the collector just so distraught that she managed to unpuppet herself for a moment? But, like, how... So many questions. Yeah, I mean, the how the nightmares were designed and created is very vague, because it almost seems like they were personally designed by Belos. Like, Belos was kind of telling him exactly what to do in these nightmares. But then the nightmares are going into stuff that Belos didn't know like Bellas didn't know that King was a Titan and yet King's nightmare specifically yeah. had to do with being a Titan because uh, literally like after that he discovers that King is a Titan he, and the line delivery of Rain pretending to be Bellos pretending to be Rain saying the dog was so like I literally just like laughed out loud from <laughs> how good that delivery was and also very good on Rain's voice actor for being able to play bellows so well yeah yeah i I just it's like uh when what matthew moy did lars and he's like i'm lars's steven and I, you are really going to feel every ounce of skill i have as a voice actor because of how wonderfully i'm going to do this yeah and i was reading a bit about alex hirsch and commenting on the owl house i think it was at their comic-con panel um and he was saying how the owl house really let him expand his voice acting which i mean duh but also, apparently, nobody he voiced in Gravity Falls cried. But King cries quite a bit in this show, and so he... Who does no slouch either? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Um, and so maybe, like, he did the, you know, the crazy far-out crying practice with Hootie, and then the more subtle emotional ones with King. But yeah, like, I've commented plenty of times throughout this show that Al Alex is really showing the voice acting range. When we thought that he couldn't you know, get any better. So, yes, Bellos not quite puppeting these dreams. I think maybe, like, our characters are so messed up that they were doing a lot of the work for them. Yeah. But it also means that Azalus becomes less affected by the spell, I guess. The spell becomes less effective in turn, and I think that's how Amity was able to, like, break free for a split second. Or I think maybe it was because, like, Luz could see the puppet strings because she, she kind of snapped out of it and that allowed her to pass that on. And of course, like, then they could pass it on as the light glyph. 
Which, you know, a great way to be woken up is to have a bright light beam directly into your face. Well, that will do the job. Also, the collector got the trappers. Yeah, even when they started acting weird, he got it done. Yeah, he but got he got released. Titan. He got released in the Boiling Isles and somehow found the time to go all the way to Titan Trapper Island, grab all of them, yeah. and then take them to the archives. He's traveling around the world on a on a star. Like the world is his oyster, and those are his guys. He's he owes it to him, you know. <laughs> Speaking of the world, um, we do get an overhead shot of the Boiling Isles and the Titan, the Titan corpse, and immediately surrounding it are just regular continents but there's like there's other titan corpses on it but there's like mountain ranges and like big inland seas and like there's a whole planet in this demon realm that we've seen so very very little of because the boiling isles while very large there's just continents surrounding it you want to talk about some world building though that when the the collector refers to witches as little spiders it's like, oh, you have to elaborate on that at some point. Itsy bitsy spiders. Um, maybe it's because he likes he's like kid themed and so like children's rhymes vibe a lot with him, and that's like his whole yeah, thing. Maybe. But yeah, there's a whole broad world out there. I mean, it's this planet is probably not even the only planet in this dimension that exists that the you know, collectors observe and but if you they're know. that close to the coast of an inhabited continent, like, somebody would have found them by now. Like, I, I don't know how witches are, but humans yeah, they're love not on to travel Earth. on the ocean. <laughs> yeah, that, that would be a pretty... And it's also in the middle of, quote, the boiling sea. So I bet they're not even in, like, a proper ocean. If it's a, if it's a sea, they're, they are the inland sea, right? So imagine, I don't know, like, the Black Sea or the Caspian Sea or the Mediterranean Sea. I don't know about such a large body of water constantly boiling, but, I mean, it's a magical world, full of magical things. Plus, the Titan was pretty powerful. Exactly. And and the Titan made loose impervious to the boiling rain right there in the climax, so I think maybe the boiling sea is boiling because of the Titan. Who knows? Who do you think brought that rain down? Do you think that was Luz, or do you think that was King's dad with one last uh, middle claw to... The man who had given so much trouble to his world. I think it could be a little bit of both. Yeah, so there's, like, the Boiling Isles are unique in that it's a complete titan skeleton completely surrounded by water. It looks like the others probably just, like, died on the mountain or something and became a mountain. And some, like, died as fragments. But also, what are titans exactly? Like, do they have two forms? Yeah, I don't know what size he is because he was loses size in the in-between space where it's big enough to hold that other size where he went into skeleton. But it seemed more like a a representation. Yes. Like like a kind of metaphor for what was going on. So I think this is me just kind of spitballing, but seeing King go into his like berserker form, like I wonder if Titans are normally just like regular sized and or mm. demon sized and then are just so powerful that if they go berserker they can turn into like these giant beasts that don't necessarily resemble their demon forms exactly there's a, there's a lot of scale problems i mean you're even making me realize now that like the heart that we see 
If we think about like the size of the castle and the it's size of the heart, puny. that's yeah, unbelievable. I think he tiny. had multiple. <laughs> I think the Titan okay. had multiple because well, they did mention this one is still beating, but there are many more. Yeah, so. exactly. Okay. Um, so it could be many more outside of the Boiling Isles, but Bellus was really more interested in the Boiling Isles. What was Bellus gonna do about the rest of the planet? He was just so fixated on the Boiling Isles when there's like. Presumably, which is everywhere. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, that's okay. He basically became Godzilla, and that was before he got the whole Boiling Isle corpse under control, so I'm certain he could have taken care of them too. Well, also, why didn't he just do that from the beginning? Okay, yes, yes, yes. This is the conversation I've wanted to ask. This is what I wanted the whole time. He never realized. Really? Uh, he didn't realize he could take no. over the heart? I think he experimented with everything at this point. Yeah, I mean... So the only theory I could come up with is that this is not a a sustainable form or a form he wants to be in forever. So, like, I, I do think... It could kill him. Right. So his goal to kill the witches, I think he does put that even above his own life in some sense. Like, he would be happy to eradicate everyone if it involved eradicating himself. But maybe he wasn't certain that it would work. So I guess this was a last-ditch effort to say, fine, I'll, I'll bind myself to the heart and then do what I can. Uh... But I don't know, it just seems so overpowered, he could have easily... This seems like a way better plan than the draining spell. I don't know, and having to work with the fickle collector. Mm, I don't know, with the draining spell, you kind of have a brutal efficiency to it. You know, you put in a machinery of the state, and people line up for their own murder stamp. But it would only murder the ones with the stamp, so you got the whole rest of the planet. Like, great, now you've just made the Boiling Isles open to be colonized by whoever else is there i don't think there's anybody else there like i said they they would have there would be visitors from other islands at that point but i think there are we just don't hear a whole lot about them and it doesn't seem they don't treat the boiling isles as if it's like the only civilization on the planet it's just kind of their their home and bill treats it like a backwater but I don't know, you think there would have been some visibility of someone else over the course of two seasons. Maybe there's no, like, large governments or nations outside of the Boiling Isles. Like, Bellos was kind of unique. Oh, witches really are different from humans. <laughs> right? Like, they they like their small local governments. Um, But Bellos kind of being unique in making an empire for himself, because he does call himself emperor. It's interesting that he didn't try and now colonize the rest of the planet, right? Like, that's kind of his thing. He's a Quaker. <laughs> I can't imagine him not trying to just, like, you know, indefinitely gain more and more power over this planet and then just, I don't know, fly it into the sun or something. That's very Kids Next Door and or Techno Destructo. Take your pick. Yes. Um, We can go more into the the trio kind of befriending the Collector. That was adorable. I, I like that it didn't happen right away. This is what I really wanted to have happen, since I kind of gave up on the whole Buddy Bears idea. The the uh, licensing never would have worked out. So this was the second best option they had. Yep. Yep, this is where the comparisons to Steven Universe again ran strong. It's like, yes, let's <laughs> uh, befriend. But, you know, it was obvious that they were going to befriend the Collector, honestly. I mean, come on. Yeah, he's just, he's a, just a little guy. With no malicious intent. Yeah. Just incredibly, incredibly stupid. Right. Doesn't realize yeah. the importance of, of mortality, which, you know. He didn't realize the one weakness of mortals. 
dying. <laughs> yeah, I, which uh, I, I maybe we shouldn't immediately transitioning transition to talking about Luz's death. Death. We can spend a little more time talking about mm-hmm. how they maybe goaded him into friendship first. But yeah, they did spend a good amount of runtime just like walking back through the places we've been, kind of revisiting old memories. Did you did you like that aspect? Like it feels like it would have been more appropriate. That's okay. Yeah, it because you have to let the moment breathe. He can't just I'm your friend now. So they they had kind of a it was a time constraint, but they made it believable. Right, like, yeah. This is a kid who's reaching out for friends, and they just make him realize, we're really reaching back out to you, Collector. Yeah. The the show is so short that it's like, that would have been even more impactful to kind of reach back over many seasons and say, like, yeah. here's the long journey we had. So that was the only kind of sad part. <laughs> it's that it's like, remember the two seasons you watched? <laughs> Here it is again. Remember yeah, all those exactly. Because yeah. it definitely seems like they wanted to do a full sort of, like, retrospective like look how far we've come episode um or at least like a large chunk of time dedicated towards seeing these characters and where they started because so much has changed and in such a short amount of time that it's hard to like remember oh yeah they started doing just you know fun little misadventures in the first season with no discernible plot and then suddenly just like the pacing ramped up to a thousand because they didn't have the time to say everything yep that was fine I didn't feel like it was particularly that out of place. I, I like that, you know, they kind of went back a little bit in person to to show him all those parts and him kind of starting to get it. And then, you know, we transition into... Yep, to the the attempt to Stephen Bellows. Yeah, exactly. Which I do, you know, like, I'm not going to blame a kid show for trying to redeem everybody. It's a kid show. It's an animated cartoon that is airing on the Disney Channel for Crying Out Loud or Cartoon Network or Nickelodeon or whatever, right? Like having a message of you should give everybody a second chance, everybody deserves exemption, and don't kill people just because you don't like them, right? Like that's <laughs> totally fine and normal to be in a kid's cartoon. So people being like, Steven should have killed the diamonds is such like a stupid, <laughs> out of touch take. Like you need to stop watching exclusively kid shows if you can't conceptualize the idea that they are restrained by the fact that they are airing towards children. <laughs> well, even on children's shows, you usually end up slaying the villain at the end. Steven Universe was quite unique in that it had villains who didn't particularly want to be villains. Even White was only being a villain because of a lie she had told herself and was quite malleable once she was forced to admit that lie. Yes. But with Bellos, it's like, I've been thinking for hundreds of years of all the wonderful ways I could murder these people for the crime of being different from me. How dare you act like I just want to be your friend? He's like, is, is, he, is he for real right now? He's, he's making fun of me. He has to be making fun of me, right? Yeah. And, and <laughs> list, like Avatar The Last Airbender was also kind of unique and not wanting to, like, defeat the villain by them dying. You know, a lot of car- kids' <laughs> shows will have them die kind of by their own hand. Karmic backlash. Yeah, exactly. Like, the hero tried to save them and reached out a hand to show, like, how virtuous they actually were, but then the villain, you know, dies because of their own hubris or arrogance or whatever. Avatar The Last Airbender <laughs> did both, you know. Zhao died <laughs> that way, but they also spared Ozai. The, the Fire Lord. For one, Zhao was the one improvement the movie made over the series. The, the movie gave Zhao the death he deserved rather than have him go out like a man. The Shyamalan movie? 
Zhao, yes, Zhao did not deserve to die like a man. He deserved to be killed by some anonymous waterbenders who didn't even know he was important. They just knew they could kill him and there was nothing he could do about it. <laughs> That's what he deserved. I mean, he does spend eternity in the fog of lost souls. Yeah, fair enough. But I do like in the cartoon how Aang's like, man, I really don't want to kill Ozai. Here, um, my past lives will back me up. They're like, man, you should just kill him. <laughs> so, okay. Wait, wait, no, let's not diverge too far into Avatar. Um, so, yeah, the collector, the, the collector, uh, you know, tried to befriend Bellos, and then Bellos was like, nah, I'm gonna just kill Luz. No, he tried to kill the collector. Luz tried to, tried to, well, Luz successfully saved him, but at the cost of her own life. Yeah, and it's like, I like this kind of um, theme also with Bellos, is that some people, if given a second chance, will only use it to hurt you. So stop giving them chances. They, they've had their second, third, fourth opportunities to be better. They don't want to. They're not going to change. Stop putting yourself in that position. Cut them out. And that's the big difference between what people all the time in the Steven Universe fandom be, oh man, I can't believe they're forgiving the space Nazis. You know, how dare they? And it's like, well, there's a big difference between the way the diamonds behaved and the way Bellos behaved. Bellos never asked for forgiveness until he was already completely beaten. The diamonds still could have stomped everybody out if they had wanted it, but they're like, man, I really don't like being a douchebag. Can, yes. can you teach me how to be nice? The diamonds did this from a position of power. Bellus did this from a position of complete weakness. Very easy to see through Bellus's act, and it loses having none of it. Yes, and also the diamonds, which is different from Bellus, were capable of actually unconditionally loving another without wanting to gain anything from it. Maybe they did act in that way, but if you ripped apart all the pretenses, at their core, they did care for one another and for Pink. And they did have that, like, nugget of desire and willingness to love within them, which is what allowed them to no longer not have to be killed to stop being evil. And meanwhile, Bellos murdered his own brother because he married a Over and over and over again. <laughs> uh, well, that was, that was different. Those were for disobediences. Yes, I know, it's even worse. He has this, like, projected fondness for Hunter, but not in a, like, human sort of way. It's like an abusive husband. It's like, <laughs> it's a, like an abusive anything. What do you anything. do to you, Hunter? <laughs> yeah, and it's, it, it's this, it's like how you would view a tool that you've grown favor, like, you're old reliable, right? Like, if you have... <laughs> You know, if you've gone through no, a bunch of... if you of... had a tool you had grown fond of, you would not throw it out just because it ceased to be useful to you anymore. Like, you have shrines for that stuff. Yeah, we, we treat our tools nicer than... <laughs> I had I had more... Yesterday, I had a... Not yesterday, the day before yesterday, I had this huge adventure with my housemates. We had to go into the city and pick up a couch and then get rid of our old futon, which we've had for a year. This futon, which I literally also picked up from the curb, is like the cheapest, most uncomfortable futon ever, but, you know, when you first move into an apartment, it's all you have. So we finally got a proper couch, getting rid of the futon, and literally all of us are, like, taking selfies with it, saluting to <laughs> it, like, showing it respect, like, we're, like, like saying the things we're gonna miss about this futon, a literal futon that I got for free <laughs> off of the street. And Bellos doesn't even have that. <laughs> yep. Yeah, oh my gosh. Which is, I think, the my favorite part. Sometimes, you know, I, I can go either way on characters philosophizing out loud, whether that's 
a good or bad thing, but I really mm-hmm. thought it was important that Luz spent the time talking to King's dad, talking to the Titan and, and saying, you know, don't our feelings come from the same place? Like, isn't Bellos trying to defend an idea in the same way that I am? And it's like, no, no, they're in such fundamentally different places. But thanks for asking, Luz. Yeah. That was a very good question. <laughs> Bellos is serving himself and his idea of being a hero or a martyr. He doesn't care, right? This idea of his soul, right? Because they they can't directly hate on Puritanism in Christianity because that would really pull some hairs. But him saying souls and having this very like Christian idea of purity and being like the savior of humanity, this very martyrdom, right? Because Christians love to be martyrs. Um, it's their whole thing. So. Christ was a martyr, right? And so this, this, you have these examples throughout history of like people who take Christianity to the extreme, seeing themselves as martyrs and saviors. And this show kind of being extremely on the nose in some areas about criticism of that. Cause Christianity also has a lot of themes of like what is pure is beautiful and what is evil is ugly. Puritanism, especially so. And then the Owl House was designed from episode one to show that no, uh, not necessarily. Yeah, exactly. Bellos is definitely creepy and horrifying in his own right, but like, so is Hootie. It kind <laughs> of like <laughs> being, being shown that you can't just make things that are beautiful good and things that are ugly bad because like real life, there's no actual correlation with that. And, and, and you see a lot of, a lot of media does play along with this. Like if you, were to go into a deep dive of Harry Potter, which is like, why would you do that to yourself? But if you were, you would start to realize that all of the villains are ugly and all of the heroes are attractive, or conventionally hmm. so. Well, thank goodness that the writer of Harry Potter does not have she died. any other hateful beliefs <laughs> she just died, that apparently. we need to discuss. Uh-huh. Um, every day, I am so happy that I deleted Twitter. <laughs> every single day. Yes, same for many reasons. <laughs> <laughs> did you follow? Did you follow in my footsteps, David, and delete Twitter? Uh, yeah, you were actually way ahead of your time. Yeah, before Elon. It only took Elon. Yeah, listeners, which is so sad. All, all ten of you who listen to this podcast, delete your Twitter. At every account that disappears counts. And <laughs> if it becomes impossible to use Twitter because you don't have an account because it's designed that way, then even better. Right? You look at the one tweet that somebody links you, and you're like, wow, haha, that was funny, and then you close the tab. And you don't right. try and browse or explore any part of Twitter except maybe like the yeah. creator's other websites. And it's like, oh, look at me, I'm on Instagram, and I'm like, I'd rather go there. Yeah, I mean, we already have the LunarCSpire.com comment section at home, so... Yes, <laughs> which is, that. I think, the only place that you can comment where we'll actually see us, unless you want to email us at, uh, drop one of the emails that we have, because I don't know them in my memory. We have a forum on the LunarCSpire.com. You can hit us up there. Yep. Or email us at... Uh, David at LunarCSpire.com. But mostly I just get emails in foreign languages about building materials. Like, like Yeah, so let's mix it up a little bit, guys. <laughs> Give us some comments via email. We will read them. Um, all ten of you. Uh, yeah, and you could tell us about how you felt about Luz's death, for instance, which is definitely the Yeah, the topic, topic that we were supposed <laughs> to start about ten minutes ago. <laughs> Um, that was great. Kind of interesting that they went with the, 
death is permanent and then death wait except for her okay yeah so uh it's excruciating to me because uh so you know we've talked about steven universe i've mentioned amphibia and star vs. the force of evil i mean i, I can't make this a spoiler uh, but you know amphibia for better or worse it also deals with this topic and i will say i did like how amphibia dealt with the consequences more so it was a little it was only mildly annoying to me that they were like yeah we're just gonna i like Duzex machinas are fine especially if they align with like a theme but here it's like yeah the collector finds out that mortals are mortal and then we just get a really cool titan powered lose and i'm all here for that and the design was amazing but mm-hmm. yes, her ne- dying. I'm not really sure where that like overall fits in with the show, and like yeah. her coming back to life doesn't really fit in with anything, or like doesn't tie in with her character journey at all. The tone was definitely a bit flip floppy because you have immediately like sometimes people don't come back from the dead, right? Death is permanent, but not this time. Yeah, and now to be fair, they did trade King's dad for it, so I mean someone did die, and also okay. they did show Flapjack's grave again in the epilogue, so they reminded us that he's dead, too. King's dad was gonna die regardless of whether he gave his power to lose or not. That was just gonna happen because of what Bellus was doing to his body. Right. But he had hoped eh. that he could return to the demon realm somehow. And apparently, yeah, now we have the in-between, right? Okay, so Luce dies dramatically, right? It's supposed to be that they think she died, and the whole message is that mortals don't come back from the dead, and the collector can't bring people back from the dead. But she, what? But she, what? What? What happened to her? Like she got zapped with bellows mold and be molded to the in between. Is that purgatory, or is that only it would lose a special? I think that's where everybody goes when they die. It's just he was there to fish her out. Yes. Yeah. All humans would die when they go there. Presumably, you don't just have to be in the demon realm for that to happen. Uh, I'm going to assume that when your soul goes under that water, you're just kind of like a lost soul, maybe dissipated forever, kind of classic. Wow. You know, okay, like so you, you would mythology. Die. Yeah, unless it doesn't feel like a crossing the barrier type of thing, right? Like some mythological worlds, right? Like maybe there's some border beyond to the next life. But to me, this just seems like you fade away into nothing, uh, which, yeah, I don't you know. know. That's, that's accurate. <laughs> and also, uh, <laughs> why couldn't Papa Titan just bring himself back at any time well because he needs his body but that's where the rules are kind of weird also got disintegrated because yes because Luz was disintegrated but they really spent a long time showing that glowing orbs were there so maybe Mm -hmm. as long as those orbs were glowing (laughs) represent her physical form connection which i mean like also like you know she's not gonna die you know it's not gonna be permanent even with them being like death is permanent you know she's coming back but still again scene was hard i'm obviously spoiling something about amphibia but i we should watch all of Amphibia, and then we should talk about how they deal with the consequence there. Because I think there's plenty of interesting sci-fi fantasy ways to deal with this. Uh, and I think this one just took the easier route, which is perfectly fine, because they just wanted an epic moment, right? They wanted to kill Luz the and then bring moment. her back because it's cool. But I don't think it's more than cool, personally. It's just like, it achieves that. But I don't think it achieves any greater theme other than like, you know, I mean, bringing up Harry Potter. Spoiler for Harry Potter, I guess. Like, you know, it's cool to have your character in a limbo world and have them talk to dead characters for a moment and have some philosophical thing they work through. Like, that's a theme. (laughs) That's just a tool people like using. And I'm perfectly fine with it. A trope. A trope, if you will. (laughs) 
Okay, let's see. Anything else about the in-between we want to discuss? Um, how did Papa Titan get the Bad Girl Coven t-shirt? Is yes! Is, like, Ida throwing stuff into the ether, <laughs> the and it just ends up thing. in the in-between? Or does the t-shirt have a soul that goes to purgatory when it gets burnt or something? Oh, I like that theory. <laughs> or he can just, I guess he, maybe he can make himself look like whatever he wants. And he's like, you know what? I'm going to really lean into the dad look. Yeah, that's that's what I was going with. The pajama pants and the t-shirt and the beer belly and the robe. And the hoodie eye, just so, just so they know I've been watching. This, yeah. So yeah, that's it for us on part one. Join us next week where hopefully the schedule will work and we'll get to our part two. But until then, I'm GC13. I'm Soren. And I'm David. Leave us a comment, a review, or email. Later, everybody. Our opening and closing music is by Mark Soto. For more cartoon-related content, please visit LunarCeasefire.com. Have, okay, wait, last point that you can cut later, but I really have to make it. Have any of you read the Kiyoshi or Yangchen novels? I'm I'm familiar, but no. Oh my god, you have to read them right now. First of all, they are fantastic. Um, keep this part in the. You can put it at the end. I don't care, GC. Please read the <laughs> Kiyoshi and the first Gang Chen novel. The second one isn't out yet. It expands so much on Avatar lore, and because I think it was Mike DiMartino, like kind of co-wrote it with FCE, um, it's very lore consistent. So and it's completely canon, and it expands a lot onto airbender lore and one of the things that's really significant is that taking a life is literally seen as tainting you in airbender society and you cannot rank up in their society you are often ostracized or shunned from the temples even if it's in like self-defense if you take a human life you are it's like a huge stain on your reputation for airbenders it's integral to their society so ang it kind of makes a lot more sense how reluctant he was to kill ozai it was like rejecting the most core value of his people and there are and because this is you know pre-genocide there are airbenders that are very diverse in their personalities and lifestyles in the books and you get to see how they interact with airbender culture and how they try and uphold the values or fail to read them i am saying this read them right now <laughs>